Hey, what's going on, Swag fans? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Swag podcast. And we have a special guest with us here on the State of the Swag. We have from ESPN, we have play-by-play commentator, Miss Tiffany Green. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, TJ? I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Swag. And okay, um, what's, talk- what's, what's, what's this? When you say TJ... The host, what's that? Oh, oh, that's just that's kind of like my thing, you know. Like uh, the host is kind of like you know me just showing appreciation to the people, bowing to the people. I, <laughs> I like don't that. ask me how. Don't ask me why I started to do that. I just seen. I just did a video one time, and all of a sudden, like everybody that watches the podcast, the podcast or videos, yeah. they always do it every time they see me. So I just kept <laughs> running with it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's, that's original. It's original to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, and once again, thank you uh, for being here. Uh, but before we start talking about swag football, uh, I think congratulations are in order to you. I know you were the recipient of the Don Staley Excellence in Broadcasting Award. Uh, tell us, uh, what did that award uh, mean, to, uh, mean to you? Uh, it's a huge honor. I mean, when you look at Don Staley and her body of work from a player at the University of Virginia to a head coach now in the program that she's built at South Carolina, just the second black woman to win a national championship. Uh, Her work with USA basketball, a gold medalist many times over. It's tremendous. And her voice now, like, you know, her, you know, she always talks about doing it for the culture. Right. And so um, it's, it was a tremendous honor because I have a huge amount of respect for her and what she's done. Uh, and the voice that she uses both on and off the basketball court. So, yeah. Yeah. High honor for me. Yeah. Well, once again, congratulations. And also, you know, you're a little bit of a a pioneer as well. You know, I mean, you being the first African-American woman uh, to uh, call college football games. So what does that mean to you also? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. And I think the significance never wears off, right? So understanding that, I, you know, no one that's looked like you or me has been in that seat from a woman's perspective um, is a great deal of responsibility and pride at the same time. So I am glad to be there. And I always make note that the Lord put me there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And my responsibility, my duty is to do my absolute best and be a great representation of what we can do as black women, but then also to ensure that other African-American men and women have that chance to sit in that seat and to do better, to go higher. Um, and so it won't be uh, a big deal after a certain point. Yeah. Well, before, before it gets, uh, becomes a part of the norm, you know, they have to have a first. So uh, we, we appreciate everything that you do. We enjoy, uh, you know, you calling the games and everything like that. I'm extremely proud to watch it. Uh, you know, I know your, your school fam, you, uh, the, the alumni and, and students are, are proud to watch it, but let's go ahead and talk about fam. You uh, fam, you uh, coming over from the MEAC and joining the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, your alma mater uh, coming to the SWAC? Yeah, I think it's a natural fit because when you look at the fan base, just the history of the program, the location of the university, it, it, it's just, it's easy, right? And um, Florida a has done a marvelous job 
over the years and under the leadership of Willie Simmons, you've got to be proud as a Rattler of where we are now. Um, just making the noise that we've made just since those two years where you took over uh, and, and looking forward to year three and what's to come. But, you know, bands, fans, <laughs> football, all of that, it just meshes. It works. It's a, it's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tear some stuff up now. <laughs> um, everybody's like excited, you know, for our arrival. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that when Rattler Nation takes over the swag, oh, no. <laughs> that, you know, things could be a little different. Y'all won't be loving on us the same way. Orange <laughs> and green, well, you're going to be seeing it everywhere in the stand. <laughs> well, I, I don't have an issue with orange and green. Actually, my high school, I graduated from uh, George Washington College High School. That was actually our school colors. And okay. I, okay. I am an alumni of Jackson State University, though. But, you know, it, it's... Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. You. you know, we all make mistakes. The I love. I will always That's love right. Jackson hey, State. Hey, look, I learned that hard for this year. Yeah. And uh, y'all go, y'all go in. Y'all go yeah. in. I have, I, I like y'all. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, some of the games that you called in the spring. Um, HBCU football, swag football was on full display. I mean, on ESPN three, ESPN two, and finally uh, the flagship network ESPN. Uh, what did spring football do for the Southwestern Athletic Conference, in your opinion? Well, I think it amplified what was already existing and was going on because we had done some Thursday night games before and some Saturday games, but sometimes they were tape delayed. Maybe folks didn't get a chance to see it live or or prime time. Mm-hmm the way that it should be featured. Um, I think HBCU football really was elevated and the SWAT conference was the leading conference for, for many to see. Uh, the MEAC was also in action as well. So I felt like, um, you know, the SWAC is hot right now. There is absolutely no denying it. And it, it is the place to be. It just feels in so many respects. And when you look at the product that was put on the field this season, uh, for those who didn't know, they got a quick catch up, you know, uh, on, on what has been happening over time because of all that talent that has funneled through yeah. uh, HBCUs, but particularly the SWAC over the years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I felt like the SWAC always just needed a platform, you know, for people to actually see the talent uh, that these these young uh, players possess, you know, and it, it's good to see that, you know, the spring allowed everyone to check it out and, and actually just see how how good these guys are, really are but you know one of the people that a lot of people feel that are the cat was the catalyst to you know the exposure was coach Deion sanders now the head coach at jackson state university uh you had opportunity to call some of those jackson state games even to sit down with coach uh prime uh what are your overall impressions of him and and what do you think about his vision of what he wants for hbcu football as well and swag football? Well, I'll say this. Um, obviously, he garners so much attention um, as a, a fantastic, I mean, Hall of Famer no. uh, for his playing career. And then he just has this uh, gift of gab, this magnetism that people uh, listen to him. He draws people in. And so there's an excitement. And, and Jay has said it all year long just about how um, – you know, it's the biggest story to, to rock HBCU sports. Um, but I think, too, uh, there is also a learning curve and a process that comes along with it in his first season as a head coach 
uh, on any level, so it, on the college level. So this is also um, a great introduction to him, uh, for him, for HBCU football and the product and the work that has been done, you know, leading up to him getting there. I, look, you, you energize a fan base. You make a huge hire like that. Uh, you want results. And yeah. so I think, you know, going uh, even 500 in the opening season, uh, not bad at all. Uh, he has great expectations. You all have great expectations. So we'll wait and see um, just when everybody kind of gets settled in and, and the two teams move over from the MEAC to the SWAC. And now you've got 12 teams. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I think that Deion Sanders is doing exactly what you should do at a program in terms of energizing and invigorating your fan base. Yeah, definitely. He definitely did that. You know, I just feel like um, Coach Prime, I mean, he just brought this level of energy uh, to the swag as well as Jackson State University because, uh, Tiffany, I, I got to tell you, uh, going to some of these homecoming games uh, for the last five years, I mean, it, it has been uh, painful to watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I'm, look, I love Jackson State, but I'm a realist. Like, it, it, the football was not very good. And I just, I'm just glad that, um, you know, he, he has this vision of where he wants the school to go, as well as, as, well as other, you know, HBCUs as a whole. You know, and, and you talked about your, your, your colleague and partner, Jay Walker. He was actually on the show last week. And I asked him about HBCU, uh, you know, getting – uh, some of these uh, high-profile former NFL players. I mean, we heard about Southern having interest in Marshall Falk. Uh, we've seen Eddie George go over to Tennessee State. Uh, your thoughts about uh, some of these, uh, you know, great players. I mean, you even have Ed Reed, Ray Lewis. They even have coaching aspirations. What are your thoughts about some of these players coming over to uh, HBCUs and becoming head coaches? Yeah, I, I think I have some mixed feelings about it because um, you understand – Deion Sanders was a phenomenal player. Ray Lewis as well. Ed Reed, I mean, you're mentioning guys um, who had amazing careers. Mm -hmm. Question is always, how does it translate over into the coaching space? And um, so you're excited on the one hand because there is so much um, more attention that is garnered sometimes just based on the person that's in that position, mm -hmm. which is, which is what you want, right? You, you want to continue to get that attention. At the same time, uh, running a, a program is challenging. And in having talked to a lot of the coaches around the league prior to these hires, you know, there's, there's just so much that um, coaches have to deal with. And so you appreciate too the guys that have worked uh, through the system, uh, kind of paid their dues. That's how I, you know, built my career in television. Mm -hmm paying your dues so you too want them to get those opportunities as well because they've been around they've worked with little to to put a lot out uh, onto the field so i think um you're excited on the one hand but you also don't want to forget those uh coaches that are currently in the system who equally have those aspirations yeah yeah I, i'm just thinking about uh, uh you know Deion sanders eddie george and like I said, uh, Marshall Falk, uh, you know, his uh, hat being thrown in there at Southern. I don't have an issue with it, Tiff, but I, I, I do have an issue with 
if they're doing it for nefarious reasons. Like, you know, like you're not getting an opportunity to coach major college football. So you, you, you use HBCU as a platform to try to catapult yourself. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in people, you know, working from the mailroom to the executive floor, you know, paying your dues. And, you know, as long as they come in and they understand that, okay, they want to change the culture. They want, you know, what's best for these players and not to catapult themselves and try to elevate themselves. Okay. So I stay here for like three or four years and I move on to there. I, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I feel like if you're actually just doing that, just so, you know, you can get opportunity to coach to go somewhere else. I, I, I can't say that I'm a fan of that. And I understand that when, when you're a coach and you win, I mean, we see this like on on major levels where yeah, cause I was gonna say a lot of coaches. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I feel exactly where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like you know, everybody is trying to come up because today's mentality, I think, of just people and just where we are in society, there aren't a lot of W.C. Gordons. There aren't a lot of Eddie Robinsons. There aren't a lot of Jake Gaithers. Right. where right. people want to sit and stay. They're there. It's just not as common. Right. And so you can't fault somebody at the same time if they find success and they do well, they want to, you know, jump ship and, and, and try to find a greater opportunity if it presents itself to them. So, I mean, I'm not trying to take any money out of anybody's pocket for that, but I am a little bit more of a traditionalist mm -hmm. in the sense of, you know, you want to stay there, you want to build a legacy. You want to exp or expand upon the, the foundation that's already been set and laid there. So, I mean, again, I know I'm straddling the fence here and I, I'm not taking a hard line either way because I understand both. But if I would say, I just hope that, you know, the coaches that get these opportunities, I don't care if you played in the league or not, just you, that you stay. Like if you win, would love for you to stay and, and make it hot right there. Oh. I don't have an issue with anybody trying to, you know, get paid or anything like that at all. Uh, I, I just, I just, when, when people have like, you know, spotty intentions, you know, that's, that's my thing. Like if, if you come in and you just want to, you know, create this change, like you, you start at a program, like, okay, I want to turn this program around and that's your, that's your focus. Right. And then opportunity presents itself in a process, then I'm okay. But if you just come in, okay, I'm just gonna stay here for a couple of years and get get this right, that right, then I'm gonna get up out of here. I I, I question that, you know. Right. I, I would just that that's that's my only thing. Like, but uh, get money. Whatever the intentions are, I would say this. Whatever the intentions are, like like in listening to you know Coach Prime, I really do think like he has the players' interest, mm -hmm. best interest in mind. Yeah, me too. I, I think that. He really does want to do something special there. And and he is such a unique character that he can do it only in his way. Um, so I, I do. And if he were to leave or anybody were to leave, you just want to make it better than what it was when you got there and that you have something where you can pass the torch to somebody else so they can continue on the trajectory um, that has started. So that 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 is my hope. Like, okay, people are going to leave. People are going to do what they do. That's no problem. Just make it better and make it sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but let's, let's go ahead and move on. We, we, we talk about uh, Coach Prime. Speaking of which, um, I got to talk about the HBCUs, uh, football players. None of them were drafted uh, in this year's 2021 NFL draft. 259 players uh, were drafted. 
unfortunately, none of them coming from HBCUs. Uh, Coach Prime actually uh, made uh, comments here via uh, social media, and he talked about uh, we have the audacity to hate on one another while our kids are being neglected and rejected. Uh, I witnessed a multitude of kids that we played against, and they were more qualified to be drafted. My prayers are that that we this won't ever happen again. Get the knife out of my back and fight with me, not against me. So I don't. I guess he's talking a little bit about some of the you know comments about some of the coaches about him coming in, and also just some of the you know lack of opportunities for some of these uh, these HBCU football players. And you had an opportunity to call some of these games. And this is going to be a very silly question, but I feel like it needs to be asked. Uh, watching uh, the games and calling uh, some of these games, do you feel like the HBCU players that you've seen that grace the field this season and seasons past are worth hearing their name called on draft day? Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I scratch my head when I hear, and this is, again, no disrespect <laughs> to the guys that got drafted, but I sometimes scratch my head and I'm like, who? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> you farmed and picked somebody from over there, and yet you've had a front row seat. Now I get it, it was it was a little bit heavier of a class given the fact of, you know, a lot of people didn't play in 2020 and you know, whatever. But clearly, clearly, if you turn on your television this spring and you watched ESPN or ESPN two or ESPN U and saw the SWAC schools, then you too, as, as a viewer, as a football fan, could clearly see that, yes, there is talent out there that should have been drafted. That was, I remember guys like Elijah Bell or, or Mac McCain. Mac McCain, uh, both guys out of North Carolina A&T. He was an All-American his freshman season. He had to battle through some injuries, but I still feel like he is an NFL worthy uh, defensive back or, or Jordan Lewis, right? Undersized, but he's a speed rusher. I mean, I think he led the FCS and sacks out of Southern University. Certainly should have been there. Uh, David Moore, right? The, the, the offensive lineman from Grambling as mm -hmm. well. And, and, and you've seen the products that have been put out at HBCUs in recent years in terms of Brandon Parker from ANT, Teron Armstead, obviously some years back. Um, from Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, there's talent there. Uh, I'm missing uh, one more guy. I, I, I can't even call his Darius name. Leonard. No, not, no, no, I'm talking about old linemen. Yes. Oh. And you think defensively, and you're just like, oh, snap. Mm. Um, so it's there. And shame on the 32 NFL teams who missed out. Right. Uh, and I know that you can say, well, l let me get a bargain. Right. L let me sign them afterward, bring them into camp, see what they can do and, and, and let them prove themselves. But um, I think Darius Leonard is one of those wonderful examples who, you know, South Carolina State had a long tradition of producing defensive players. And then he goes in, busts up the league his first year, runs rookie of the year. He's about to get paid right. and good for him. But like there are a lot of other Darius Leonard's in HBCU football who are draftable right now and they missed out. I, I just don't understand it. You know, I, I don't understand like all the talent that I've seen, like even the, the game that you all called this past week in the SWAC championship. Yeah. I mean, you look at somebody like a quill glass, man, you can't tell me this guy can't play on the next level. Uh, oh, he, more, he absolutely yeah. can. He can make all the throws. And 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 the only reason why, obviously, I think it works out better for him though, right? Because this was a 
quarterback heavy draft. So he gets to come back, try to win another championship in the uh, fall season, and then he can declare for the he'll declare for the draft. But I think that works out better for him because it gives everybody a little bit more tape on him because this was his like breakout year. Like 2019, he was good. He was good. But in this 2021 spring season, everybody saw like, oh, okay, there's the maturation there. Uh, This this dude is real. This dude is real. Tyron Ralph, you know, uh, an amazing returner out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. You look at Jackson State. They got some dudes on the outside in terms of receiver. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, and even even uh you know Nugget or uh, Warren, you know like the cornerback yeah. out there. I mean, yeah. like these these guys can play on Sunday. I mean the the wide receiver I seen at Alabama A and M more. I mean, oh Xavier Moore. I mean, these guys like are, are are really extremely talented. Like, and I, I can't take the excuse. Okay, I think that it's even impressive that you talk about Jordan Lewis, right? I think he's about six two, one hundred ninety five pounds. This guy's not even two hundred pounds. And he's leading the LCS in sacks. So you're yep. telling me that, okay, this guy can't get drafted by a team, get with a strength and conditioning coach, gain a little bit more weight where you want him to be. And right. I, I, it just, I, I just feel like um, I understand like last year, uh, like, you know, they didn't have the HBCU combine, but this year they did. So it's not like you didn't see or had an opportunity to come out here to see what these guys have to offer. I just wish that they just, you know, just take a, you know, a better look. I, I think there's a lot of talent out there, and I'm glad that HBCU football, SWAC football was on full display in the spring to give these these scouts and these teams an opportunity to see that these guys can play on the next level. I mean, uh, Tariq Cohen, you know, like I know we got the Tariq Cohens, you got the the Leonard's, um, one of my favorite players, Teron State. I'm a big Saints fan, born and yeah. raised in New Orleans. There's a lot of great talent out there, and I just wish they would just uh, go ahead and uh, take a look. Uh, but final question I have for you is about Alabama A&M. Uh, they won the SWAG championship. Uh, we talked about a, a quill glass. Uh, we talked about that that high-powered offense. But now we got to talk about Coach Maynard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the most charismatic coaches that you're going to find. Um, I think oh, a lot of people, yeah. if you're into uh, what they call the T. You know, like you, you like the back and forth uh, banter between he and uh, Coach Prime Deion Sanders. And I know a lot of people are probably looking uh, forward towards the fall, you know, about, with these two individuals. But yeah, uh, talk about the job that Coach Maynard has done at Alabama A&M and, and leading them to their first WAC championship since uh, 2006, I believe. That's right. Uh, he's done uh, an excellent job because to come in there and I think, you know, question mark what's Alabama going to do like what do they have are they really going to make some noise in the east well he won his first Magic City Classic in fact he's won all three of his Magic City Classics so that was one way to win over folks on the hill and then when you see what both he and his DC Dwayne Taylor have done with a wheel glass the 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 growth is has been great and um the 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 weapons that they have make them so dangerous coming back for next season. Now everybody's got tape on them. Everybody's going to prepare for them, all that kind of stuff. But you have um, a program that's moving in the right direction. You have a program that's won its first championship in, in about 15 years or so. My math may be off. Um, so he is just one of those guys who I, I enjoy covering 
right? Because like at the end of the broadcast, I asked him to do the Rick Flair Nature Boy <laughs> because he just brings that type of energy. And I think too, his players likely feed off of that as well. Yeah, Aquil is a, a calm, cool customer, but when you see him on the sideline, there's a little celebration action going on after yeah, it. Yeah. Like he, he, he gets into it as well. Um, but he, he's done. He's done a good job. His guys are, are relatively, you know, pretty disciplined. I would say in terms of a program, and he's won. I mean, the way you stay there, the way you remain in the conversation, the way you get a contract extension, is winning. And in year three, you come out with a swag championship. That's impressive. Uh, and some would say, "Oh no, wait a minute, hold on." Alcorn State, they didn't get a chance to defend their, you know, their title. Um, for, yeah, that's the. That that that's an argument that they weren't there, but they can't state claim um, because they didn't play. And I certainly wish we would have been able to see the trigger man and you know them run that offense as well. But kudos to Coach Connell Maynor and Alabama A and M because the Bulldogs they're really good. Now what they gotta do though is find some more players on defense to try to stop some folks. Well. I feel like the secondary, I mean, they're relatively young, just looking across the board. So I think that, you know, they're going to develop chemistry as time go on. That's probably one of the things that that's going to benefit them. You know, the fact that they are so young. So, you know, they're able to go through the growing pains together collectively as a, as a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that I did notice about them is they're, they're a really good second half team. Like they do a really yes. good job at making adjustments and, the, the first half, they might start off, you know, a little shaky, but they go into that locker room and they come back out and they look like a completely different team. So got to give credit to Coach Manor being able to make those second half adjustments in order for them to, you know, get past uh, Arkansas uh, Pine Bluff. But like you said, it's going to be a very interesting uh, season. I I would talk about Alcorn, but like I said, I, I went to Jackson State. So anything I say about Alcorn, it's going to seem like I'm hating. Uh, but I have to agree. I have to agree. Like, you know, like they say to beat a man, you got to beat the man. That's 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 another Ric Flair uh, motto. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you didn't play, you know, I mean, they can't beat you. You know, so I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. Alabama and them, they only lined up in front of the people that were against them and they won. So it's just as simple as that. So if Alcorn wants to uh, you know, stake they claim to want to call themselves linear champions or whatever they want to call themselves. Uh, they got to come back out here uh, the, in the fall and prove it. But uh, okay, TJ, I got, I got, I got to catch myself. You know what? Because I, I think I might get some flack. You know, I talked about Alabama A and M saying they need to, you know, add some defense. That's mm-hmm. me coming from a MEAC perspective and thinking about that because obviously it's a, a lot more, you know, hard nosed defensive ball on that mm-hmm. side. The swag is offense. Yeah, don't put up points. <laughs> they don't light it up. So yeah. let me correct myself there and saying they're right at home. They're they're doing exactly what they should be doing mm-hmm. <laughs> in the swag and with that high octane offense. Oh no, nah, no doubt about it. Um the MEAC, I mean, they're definitely known for their defense. And I think that yeah, the swag can learn a little bit from the MEAC as far as stopping somebody. But I mean, it's it's exciting football. We know a lot of people like the that that bombs away air raid type stuff, you know, those. I mean, those big old, uh, you know, big arm 60 yard touchdowns. But at the same time, you know, you got to be able to, to stop somebody. And I have to go back probably last time I can remember like a team just being really defensive oriented was back, I think, maybe 2012, 2013, when Texas Southern uh, okay. won the SWAC championship. And I mean, they they had very little offense, 
but that defense was stout and it, it, it got them all the way to a championship. So, yeah. uh, well, fam, you was uh, in the swag. Uh, Bethune Cookman is there as well. So maybe they'll change the narrative of how swag football is played. And hopefully these guys will come out here and start recruiting a little bit more defensively. I can't speak for Bethune Cookman. I'm going to tell you <laughs> what A&M's going to do. They, they're they're going to try to match you and, and, and outscore you. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> now, that's that robbery speaking from you right there. That's that robbery <laughs> talk right there. Look, I know that's that's the that's you biggest robbery with Bethune Cookman. But interesting stuff that's going to transpire in the fall. Uh, yeah. Ms. Tiffany Green, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Swag podcast. And uh, before you go, let everybody know how they can uh, keep in touch with you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm an old head right now because I try my best to be on social media, but I'm not the best. But at Tiffany A. Green, Green with the E, that's on Twitter, and at T Green 34 on IG. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here. And we're looking forward to hearing you uh, call some of the you know things around ESPN, some of the games. Uh, I know you do other things other than you know football, but we're looking forward to hearing your calls. So thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. I got softball regionals and super regionals coming up later this month. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Thank you once again, Miss Tiffany Green.